Welcome to the Legal Moves Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Strebeck, the game lawyer. And on this episode, I'm talking with Greg Favreau, creator of Spire's End, Spire's End Hildegard. Welcome, Greg. Oh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Excellent. All right. First thing, I always have my guests introduce themselves. So who are you? What's your background? And how do you get into the games industry? Yeah, um, Greg Favreau. I live in uh, Hermosa Beach, California, which is um, more or less right below LAX uh, in Los Angeles, California. And I have been a graphic designer um, slash art director for close to 20 years now. And um, I've worked in you know various um, kind of design firms and um, stuff like that, doing collateral and um, did some you know DVD boxes for a while and uh, just kind of all, all kinds of stuff. And um, I was at a company where I was doing some work that wasn't as exciting as other things. And, um, you know, just after a while and after the grind of it all, I, you know, kind of soul searched a little bit and thought, you know, what is it that I could design that I could do that would, you know, make me feel a little bit, you know, better about what I'm doing with my right. life. And I actually and I figured, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah feel a little more fulfilled with what I'm doing. Exactly. And, um, I thought, you know, this is something I might be able to do. And, uh, just on a walk one day, I kind of came up with my premise, uh, kind of came up with a plan. I'd always had this game in my head, um, for the longest time. And I just had never seen anybody make it. And so, yeah, one day I just said, I'm going to, I'm going to do it and I'm going to see what happens. Excellent. Were you a gamer before you started making games? I mean, I've all, um, since the day I was born, I, yeah. I've uh, had, um, you know, I was born, you know, I was born in 1974. So it's kind of the perfect time to grow up with the, you know, the, the, the beginning of, of all of it, as far as I'm concerned, yep. you know, D and D started then, you know, video games started then. So I've never known a time where I didn't, you know, or wasn't playing something, the Atari yeah. 800 or whatever, um, it's the earliest memories. I, I, yeah, all of it. I remember playing pong at my uncle's house, you know, just, it never stopped. So, yeah, I'm 1978 and, uh, I have very much the same experience. Although the first thing I remember is the Atari 2600. So maybe I'm a little late yeah, than I, you, but, but definitely. yeah, I think, yeah, I think they had the 800. It was the one with the protective keyboard. It had like a, a flat keyboard you had to press really hard on so you wouldn't like dribble things on it. I, I, I think it was the 400 when I was young. Yeah, it was like the, yeah. I think it was the Atari 800 and 400. I think they came out at the same wow. time. Yeah. So you were definitely, like you were definitely old school. So that's good. Yeah. You yeah. Know your stuff. All right. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Um, the main thing I wanted to talk about with you, uh, something it's one of my favorite topics. It's something I do all the time uh, is solo board gaming. Which mm-hmm. you know your your two games, Spire's End and the sequel, are both playable solo, solo and co-op, right? Yes, but they both were primarily made as solo experiences first. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of solo gaming. Although lately, I've been doing I, Gloomhaven, Jaws of Lion. I just completed that, and um, playing through Aeon's End as well, which are soloable, but you really like playing the part of two two characters. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. A, that's why I'm waiting for Spire Zen to show up so I can play like a, a true solo experience. Yeah, yeah. The um, the first game you do still you do play as two players if you're playing mm-hmm. it by yourself, um, but 
with that being said, it was still more or less designed to be played as one person. Um, you know, it, I wouldn't say either, you know, like 60, 40%, you know, if it were somewhere along there, 60%, I thought of it as a singular uh-huh. experience and then 40 as a, you know, as a two player experience. But I think people would argue with me on that. Now everyone's kind of got their opinion <laughs> on what's the best way to play it. Well, people, people in board gaming have opinions. I, I don't believe it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell uh, me why you, why you got into this particular genre. Um, it's kind of like I was saying before, I just, there was this game in my head and I've, I've just never seen it. And I've had, you know, I just, my personal influences, I, I tried to kind of, um, take all the things that I love, the moods I like and everything. And mm-hmm. since I'm kind of from a design background that, you know, kind of all came together into this game. Um, so can I answer the question or am I just <laughs> yeah, that's fine. kind of we'll, repeating know, the, the myself a bit? Inspiration or whatever, whatever yeah, happened. Yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah, got yeah, into it, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, I you mean, know, that's, and, that's, well, as a publisher ahead. of solo games, I mean, what is the market like? For them, I mean, I've always heard that publishers have kind of shied away from doing solo-only games because it's it's kind of a tough sell. You know, you're limiting your audience to people who want to play solo. But your last Kickstarter right. raised over three hundred thousand. Uh, it seems like proof that you know you just need a great game and you kind of break through that ceiling on your potential sales, right? Sure. Well, I hope it'll be a great game. You know, I, <laughs> I'm still I'm still you know right in the middle of it. You know, just today I was um, working on. Um, 25 cards into chapter three of a 400 card game. So, you know, 325 cards in. So that's wow. where I'm, that's where I'm at today. It's actually going really good right now. But as far as your question goes, um, you know, solo experiences and what people, you know, think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny because from my perspective, I never cared. It was more or less, I don't, this isn't about what everyone wants. This is about me deciding what is it that I want. And if other people want to come aboard, then that would be great. You know, but it was always very, very singularly focused with, you know, I don't care if the world, you know, wants a solo game or a two player game or a family game or a party game or whatever. This is the vision, um, not to sound kind of too pretentious about it, but I did have a vision of what it is I wanted to do. And I was going to do it that way, no matter what, you know, and that that's it, you know, and if I was unsuccessful, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I mean, it's a refreshing contrast from the sort of cynical, I'm going to make a product to appeal to everyone, you know, least common denominator type of game. So, I mean, you know, well, that was what you wanted to do. Yeah. And and the, the first one, it was even more of a, I mean, even my artist, he was, he was like, dude, you're, you're making the most little kind of um, niche game imaginable. You know, it's like, where is your audience for this? And I was like, I, I'm telling you, there are people out there just like me. The me's out there. If I can find them, they want to play this game. I know there's more than just me that want to play it. Now, maybe I won't reach them. Maybe I'll make a terrible game. But the idea, you know, is there. And I think, that, and he didn't believe me. And he's the guy doing the pictures. He's like, I just don't see it, you know? <laughs> it was hard. It was hard work. And, you know, like, I mean, fun. We had a lot of fun together like that, but, but the whole time he was just like, no, I, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't see it. 
but you know, well, I mean, there are you know gigantic subreddits and Facebook groups and all that of solo board gaming people, and you know, people are thirsty for content because most of the time you get some kind of half-assed variant of a normal game that doesn't really work well. I mean, there are there are some games that are good. I think Stonemeyer makes some good solo variants. They have uh, people working on that. I, I was playing uh, uh, Viscounts of the West Kingdom recently, and they have a really cool solo AI that, you know, seems like there was actual thought put into it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time, it's like when you read the reviews of, you know, solo variants, See, yeah. they're, they're pretty bad. I mean, those those AI systems are actually too complicated for me. The autotons <laughs> or, or what have you, it. that kind of stuff. I, I mean, and and that's another thing where I, I get into a lot of trouble because, you know, the, especially the game I'm making right now is it's on its surface. The mechanics are, are very, very simple. And it was designed that way, you know, because I looked at it like... Um, like I look at a game book, you know, the the mechanics in the in the in the fights in a game book are as, almost as simple as war. You know, it's almost as simple as just rolling the dice and who gets the highest sure. wins yeah. the, the fight. You know, and my um, feelings on that was if I can make the mechanics more than a game book but less than a board game, if I'm somewhere in the middle, that's the spot I want to hit. You know, I want to hit that spot where there's you know there's some interesting things to do, but you know, there's going to be a camp of people that are going to be kind of put out that I'm not giving them, you know, more agency, you know, with, with it. But it would, and it's come up recently too. And I, I've tried to tell them, you know, look, you, you know, you, you may have a type of style of game that you like to play and you may say that, you know, this isn't it and that's why you don't like it. But just understand that this was what I wanted to do. And this is why this game I think works, you know, not to kind of just kind of fling off a path here, but, you know, since we're talking about, you know, AI and systems for single player games, you know, what I find um, happens, you know, with games that you, you know, you're talking about is, you know, you have these really, really finely crafted mechanics for a two player, three player, four player game. And when it's styled like that, it's very, very hard to then bring it to a solo experience unless you're going to just play three or four characters, you know? Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hitting it, especially on this new game as a single player experience first, and then packing on things for a second player, which is, I think completely opposite of the way it usually works. Yes, but I can respect that. I think that's uh, and again, it goes back to, you know, you making the game you want to make and that's, Mm -hmm. that's, a great thing. I mean, I came back or I came from uh, being a huge lone wolf adventure book. Sure. Fan. I don't know if you know those. And, yep, you know, of course. I think their system was close your eyes and touch this grid of numbers <laughs> with the, with your yeah, pencil, right? And and that's how you chose. Yeah. There's all kinds of wacky. You see, I'm, I um, spend much more time with this game as a game book than, you know, a tabletop game. It's, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't Gloomhaven. This isn't Kingdom Death. This isn't, you know, it's not that kind of game. It's, it's you know, I even described it, I think, in the first paragraph on the Hildegard Kickstarter, which is, this is a game book that's been torn apart, distilled, and then put into a deck of cards. And then what I'm hoping that you get from this is being at a deck of cards, you're able to do a few things that you would not be able to do if it was a book. You know, if you're, if you're holding two pages, you know, out, that's the, you're kind of limited to those two pages. Whereas, 
you know, I can say, okay, we'll take these 10 pages, you know, and let's see what we can do with that. You know, and I I do think that there are, you know, there's disadvantages, but there are also huge advantages to this. And I hope people will be able to see it, you know, and see the advantages of what it, what the, the, the deck of cards provides. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, my question that I actually didn't ask, but you answered anyway, was how you're bringing that kind of gameplay kind of into the modern world, like those those game books. So excellent. You you read my mind. That's great. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess it's I, a, I could talk about game books a lot. Point. Yeah, it's, I, um, I, it's I definitely what I think about. Uh, all we'll the we'll time, do another episode for that. Yeah. Because uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the business side of things. Um, sure. Have you thought about working with a publisher or do you prefer self-publishing and sort of dealing with all of the business and the manufacturing and, and all that yourself? I mean, that's the question. It's, you know, I'm so new to this, you know, I've been designing, you know, doing design work and art direction work and um, all that stuff for a, a long period of time, but this is so new. And after this first Kickstarter, I just had no idea what to expect or how, the world reacts to you. And and sure, after that first one, I had a million people asking me for localization and um, retailers and publishing and all these things. And I, on the first one, I was just too overwhelmed with everything that was occurring. And I just said, no, um, I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to take this all on myself. And I did. Um, And it was really tough. Um, but after the Kickstarter was over and after fulfillment was over, I bought another run of the game myself, did all the fulfillment myself, um, which actually wrapped up right when this new Kickstarter started. Um, and now it's kind of going to, the, the cycle is going to repeat. But as far as retailers go right now, I, I, I'm still on the no side of things. I've had a lot more serious talks with people about this and that, mm-hmm. but, but right now with, with my background and my experience with online stores and, and, and doing these types of things, it's really not very difficult for me to have the store up and running, um, selling everything myself and doing everything myself. Um, and it's just that, you know, it's that constant question of, do I want a publisher to take it and make 20,000 copies of it and sell it all over the place and me getting a small fraction of that? Or do I want to, or do I want to sell you know, 4,000 of them instead, you know, and, and make a lot off of each game. Well, not a lot, but you know, more than I would more (laughs) that way. And, you know, it kind of may even out, you know, it's just, I've been trying to decide and I'm going to talk to my wife about, it's like, what kind of company do I want to be? You know, do I want to be, you know, selling in target or do I want to be, you know, boutiquing it, you know, artisan style on my site. And right now I've decided to go the, the, the the route of kind of the boutique card game that I'm hoping is kind of something a little special, um, you know, something that you know, kind of like that. You know, you're in high school and you got that band that you think is cool that no one knows about yet. You're wearing the t-shirt. You're all you're psyched about it. You know, you want people to know about it instead of just you know something that's uh, yeah. So I mean, that's my route right now. Uh, that, I mean, um, that's I don't know if it'll work, but you know. It sounds. It seems like it is working, but it's good, which is good. Um, I don't know. I I think 
it generally comes down to how much you dislike all of the business side of things, right? I mean, that's generally why people push to get a publisher. Yeah. Uh, Cause they just don't want to deal with that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you say, you got to put a lot of trust in the publisher that they're going to actually market your game, that they're going to do it correctly. And you know, well, that is, they a, don't. So yeah, that is the <laughs> thing. I'm rich. so, I'm so particular. I mean, even yep. like, you know, logo placement and colors and I, I'm so now, and, and it's just, and I don't, know if it's good for me to be there because other people aren't like that you know i don't think other people are going to look at the product and think the same things i'm thinking but i guess it's the only way for me to do it where i feel good about it i don't know that's, that's it's, all that it's hard <laughs> i'll it's be honest hard. i think that's all that matters well i got close to, to working with one publisher and i had written out all of my all the things that i felt i needed and all this stuff and i was mm-hmm. just like man this is a racket i don't know <laughs> if anyone's going to be able to even do the things I want. I mean, just for them, it's going to be unreasonable. And so I kind of just yeah. pulled back. And, um, and, and also to, to your comment about the business side of things, um, you know, I got thousands of copies and I had them all smashed into my garage here. Mm-hmm. And I spent two and a half months, you know, boxing every single game up myself, you know, and after doing that for two and a half months, you know, I, I did question, you know, what, what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> it's like, man, I mean, you don't have to do that yourself. There are companies that will do that, but again, that eats into your profits and you may yeah, end up I, not well, making any money or losing money on that. Well, yeah, that's just it. You, the, the way it's working in, in a COVID world and with the expenses of things and what I can charge for the game. I mean, I really don't have much yeah. of a choice unless I wanted to go with a publisher or something else, but yeah, you know, it's just, if I want to make this work, you know, there's certain things I got to do. So I, I did spend two months packing up those games. And then I thought to myself, well, you know, after this next Kickstarter goes and I'm going to have a fulfillment company because there's no way I can pack up 7,000 games, you know, yeah, I'll do all that. But then after that's over, I will probably just roll right back into this again. You know, excellent. Um, I can't wait. Um, no, I mean, I, yeah, mean, the, I the, mean, fulfillment in my garage is what I'm uh, talking about. Yeah, I don't. I, not I think a, you not can, a thir- you're not announcing a third uh, title. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> I, I finish never the do second that. one first. Yeah, yeah. Um, excellent. Well, you you mentioned a kind of COVID world, and I know that recently costs for all this stuff have kind of skyrocketed, especially shipping, but also mm-hmm. manufacturing. Uh, how has that affected things? for the for the business. I mean everything is affected. It's been awful. Um yeah. you know COVID started right at the tail end of my first game. So right when uh the pledge manager right when I was finally charging for shipping the first time around was mm. right when the things just started going. And without I won't go into all the nonsense involved with my first time with the filming company, which needless to say was a bad experience. But okay. but um I kind of got out of it unscathed. Like the prices didn't start exploding until after that game was done. Um, it had its own set of challenges and terrible things that occurred, but I did kind of make it out. So um, after that, when I was, um, you know, deciding about this game and, and getting estimates and quotes on uh, the product and everything like that, each few months, you know, I would re get the quote and it would just keep continuing to go up you know, it just every two or three months, the price increased. Um, so much so that I was even worried at this point. I mean, a lot of people on there, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if they even have gotten new quotes since 
you know, they've started doing their Kickstarters and things. Right. And they're I'm just looking on at that. some of these prices and I'm like, I don't think you guys are going to make it. And then I look at some other yep. people who are on the exact opposite side of things where, you know, I see guys on there with a 22 card card game and they're selling it for, you know, like 25 Oh no, it was $22. It's like, I was like, it's like, man, it's like a, it, it's on both ends of the spectrum. There's people way overcharging right. and there's people that don't seem to have a, uh, an idea of what things are costing right now. And then not to even mention the whole shipping situation, which is just, um, it's bananas. It's just, it's crazy. And then with the yeah. whole, the, 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 the tax situation in Europe, which has just become like the talk of the town everywhere. Um, since the July 1st, uh, you know, rule changes and all this stuff. Um, it's just been, yeah, it, it's just been really difficult trying to to grapple with all the increased prices with this, but uh, you know, it's in every industry. Um, yeah, definitely. you know, prices um, of paper, you know, card stock, you know, there all these fires yeah. and everything are making up. Yeah. So my cards, you know, for this game cost more and this and that. So yeah, it's tough. I mean, hence the, uh, the, the publisher angle, I guess, right. If you can avoid all those headaches. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's worth considering, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then to wrap it up, uh, what, what advice would you give to others? Maybe they're looking to run their first Kickstarter, whether it's a solo game or not. Uh, do you have any nuggets of uh, wisdom for someone who's doing their man? First? Um, I would just do as much research as you can and learn as much as you can yeah. about it because no matter what you know, you won't know enough. I did. I just, there's not until you have the experience and you know, the funny advice that I, I guess if I was to kind of boil it down to one thing was learn to say no all the time. Say no to everything. Say no to everybody. Say no to everything. <laughs> it's the best way to go because you make, you know, the more promises you make, the worse off you are. The more, the more offers you take, the worse. Just, just say no everywhere. You know, people are constantly asking you for things. They're asking you to do things. They're asking you to change things. They're trying to influence yep. you. If you start saying yes to any of these things, it's just, it's one more way for you to just kind of fall off your ladder. And um, yeah. It's especially if you're doing halfway decent, you know, just, you know, just say no (laughs) and, and stick with your gut, stick with your vision and don't add those, don't add those stretch goals because everyone's saying they want more stretch goals. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't stick with your guns. You know, don't. Yeah. The game is popular in the first place because it's what you wanted to make. Right. And people like that. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to listen to everyone's goofy ideas yeah yeah all right well that's all we got for this episode uh thank you again for coming on the show greg where on the internet can the listeners find you um the, the site's spireszen.com and that's where the the two games uh live right now um mm-hmm. you can also have my do most of my posts for my instagram um at spires and card game and th- those are pretty much two places but you can usually you know all the information's uh, on the site currently, and I'm gonna start posting updates once these things, uh, you know, start chugging along a little faster. Once there's updates to post, excellent. 
And you can find me at GameLawyerBlog.com. As always, please share the podcast with your friends, leave a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening. And I will talk to you all next time. (laughs) 